Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Good morning, everyone. For those of you at the back, can you hear me? I would like to invite you to the front. It says, do not take a seat of honor, but you'll be honored when you are called to the front. So come and join us here. I have about, how many? One, two, many seats. Just come. Those of you, come join us here in the front. I was thinking, uh, for those of you, while we were... Um, while we were, while Mega was saying we should pray for those who are lost in our hearts, I was thinking, you know, when I pray for those who are lost, I ask the Lord to, to disrupt their lives extremely. So if you want to get someone saved, pray that, the, that God will disrupt their lives. You'll tear it apart so they come to a place of great need. And so that's how you do it. Okay, so you can pray, Lord get their lives more ruined, more bad, more empty, more deep, so that they can call out to Him. Awesome. I'm great to, I'm glad to be here this morning, and I'm going to wrap up for us this three-week series. Before I do that, um, we have two announcements that I just need to highlight. Is One, I want to uh, um, highlight making disciples. So making disciples a place where we train you uh, to be a disciple, but also help you how to make disciples. And so this is the Great Commission. This is something God has given us. It's not something we, we prefer or it's, oh, should we, shouldn't we do it? This is a commission. This is a, a thing that God said we must do. And we want to help you to do it. And we also want to grow you in how to do it. And secondly, I want you to join us on this coming Friday from 6 p.m. to midnight. It's where we will have half night, uh, night of encounters, prayer night, night of encounters, where we pray from 6 p.m. to midnight. So I invite all of you to join us there. Amen. I mean, so like I said, I'm closing for us this three-week series on on, that's called Love Lives Here. And here's the one thing. In, the, in this series, in the next 52 Sundays, so those that remain, this is the one thing, if you want to see great change in your life, that you need to ask yourself, what did I apply? Whether the mis- message stirred your emotions and made you feel like I can conquer the world, or you walked out and said, Hey, that was a rubbish message. You still need to ask the same question. What did I apply? Without application, there's no transformation. So without applying something in your life, without taking this message, otherwise you're going to hear 52 messages and your growth is going to still be at one. It's not going to move to five nor to six without you actually taking steps of application. And I want to encourage you this morning. So whether the message moves you in your heart or whether you walk out not feeling too much too different, may you still ask the same question. What can I apply? What can I do about what I've heard? And I promise you that the Holy Spirit is faithful to show you what can you apply and what can you do. So this morning I titled the message, Walking in Love. I'm going to explain to you why I said walking in love. In love. We live in a time where love is easily or constantly defined by us. So we're living in a culture that tells you to define love. Define it according to you. Define it according to your preference, 
your restrictions and your conditions. And you, you can decide how you love and who you love and to what degree do you want to love. And what influenced this is generations. So eight different generations embrace love in different ways and they define it in different ways. And then you have music. Music has a huge influence on the culture and on love. And then for those of you who love listening to those type of music, I'll say be careful that you do not adopt that type of definitions. Because we sometimes don't think that once you're in Christ, you're exempted from falling into any other definition or falling into a culture that's outside of Christ. The culture is a powerful thing that normally sucks us in. And so culture and happenings, different stages of life has determined this for us. And the moment you define love, you decide then how to go about it. So the moment you define love, then you decide how to go about it. And while I was preparing this message, I was asking myself, are we in a danger? So hear me out. I'm speaking primarily to people who say, I'm a follower of Christ. And if those of you who say, I'm not, and I want to be, this message is good for you to hear. Okay? So primarily, this is for you. So as I was preparing, I was asking myself, are we in a danger, a place of danger of losing the essence of Christ-centered love? Or have we actually lost the intended meaning of love? Because of what the world is doing and what the world is saying and what's going out, out, out there, have we actually lost something? And I'm thinking of the Corinthians church, if you know Paul came to the Corinthians church and he says to him, you guys. So imagine he comes to the church. He comes to us right here. So imagine me. My name's Philip. So make me Paul for a moment. So Paul comes to us. He comes to the church and he says, you guys right here are busy taking each other to court. You guys right here. You guys right here. And Paul is looking through the lens of these guys are supposed to be brothers and sisters Imagine a household. Go to a household and these guys are just taking each other to court. Imagine that. Imagine your household. And in your household, this person is, this brother is taking this sister to court and this sister is taking this brother. It is a bizarre image. But that's what currently the Apostle Paul looks at the church and says, you are taking each other to court, allowing someone who's unjust to, de to, to determine what is right and what is wrong. So what has happened there, they have put a restriction of love. They said, I love you, but you don't get into my business. I love you, but here's the conditions. Here's the barriers. If you trespass this, I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. So what has started to happen is they started putting these barriers in place. And that's exactly what the modern church has become. The modern church has become this... And, and, and I think I contributed mainly to the entertainment section, uh, industry. They, and, and, and some other church just rode on that. They just like went with that wave and said, let's grab this entertainment thing because this is going to work. And then through that we engaged. But we actually what we did is we just brought people into a room. We started to entertain them. And therefore there became so much barriers to how we love. And it no longer became a family, but it became an event. It became a show. Became something to fulfill you. Say some, something how you feel about it. And, 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 I, and I, I look at this and, and how it's happening and I think to myself, this is a sad, sad picture. It's truly sad. 
And some of you right here sitting, you have separated yourself from the church through using language like this. The church should do something about this. The church should speak up about this. And I'm wondering to myself, are you not my brother and my sister? Are we not part of the same thing? But somehow you've made your restrictions and conditions and, and preference and saying, if the church does not speak about this, then I don't want to be part of the church. I, don't, I want to be separate from them in this area because of these conditions. And that is not what was the intention when Jesus spoke about love. So have you here this morning in any way have started to redefine love according to your preference your restrictions, and your conditions. Have you started to do that? Because what is this series called? Love lives here. Where's here? In our midst. Forget about all the other churches in Vinduka at this moment. Forget about everybody else who's not in this building. Love lives here. Let's talk about us here this morning. If you're here, you came here for a reason. So here in our midst. If I had to go around and ask each one of you to share with the person left and right of you, what is the meaning of love? Will we come to one definition? Or by where did you get your definition from? How, will you, how have you defined love? Because if, if we don't have one picture of what love is, are all of us busy with love, even though you've labeled it love? You've made it love, but is it Truly love. And does it matter? Does it matter that all of us sitting here this morning actually have one definition of love? Does it really matter? Does it matter that when I say love, we think of the exact same thing? Does it matter? It matters. It absolutely matters. You know why? Because God said, Jesus, when He spoke to His disciples, says the one thing this group of people will be known by is love. So if we don't understand love, what are we busy with? And God, God says, the one thing this whole group will be known by, I'm, I'm white, white people, this group of white people are known for being white. And in the white group, you find Afrikaans and you find English people and they are known for being Afrikaans and English. Those are groups. And then you get vegetarians. They are known for not eating meat. There's groups and there's all these groups around the world and all associate with different things and and Jesus says, the one thing, this group, forget about where you come from, forget if you're vegetarian or not, this one thing this group should be known for is love. The one thing this group should be known for is love. And so this morning, when I speak about love, I want you to hear love is action. That's why I said walking in love. There's no way you can love without taking a step. There's no way you can express love without any action. There is absolutely no way. And if you, if you might tell yourself, you know what, I love the church, but I just can't attend as regularly, you don't love the church enough. It's the same way if a guy had to tell a girl or a girl had to tell a guy, you know what, I love you so much, but I can't marry you. He doesn't love that person enough. There's restrictions. Restrictions and boundaries on that love. So what did Jesus really mean when He said love? John 13 verse 34 to 35 is our main text this morning. It says to us, A new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another just as I have loved you, and you are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. So what is this commandment? So Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. New is something that's fresh. It's unused. This is a new commandment. And you might think to yourself this morning, this is not new. This was new when Jesus said it to these guys. You feel like, oh, we have heard this many times. This was new when Jesus spoke this to you. He says, I give you a new commandment. And synonyms for commandment is, I give you a new suggestion. Well, I give you a new um, proposal. Is that the same as commandment? I give you a new recommendation. Jesus never said this thing is a suggestion, nor a proposal, nor a negotiation. The word commandment, he actually said, I've given you a new law. And not anybody can make a law. So we can't sit here this morning and decide together, Let's make a law. Everybody starts driving on the right side of the road. Can't work. Why? Because we're not in the position to do that. But the people who are able to do that, they're in that position. They have that authority. And Jesus was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, was the one who's telling, I created heaven and earth, and I'm giving you a commandment. I'm putting a law in place. The moment there's a law, there's authority. And so you're either under it or you rebel against it. So you can only be in two groups here. You're either under the submitting to this or you rebel against this. And so Jesus gives us this, this, this commandment of saying you need to love one another. And so the law, the Namibian law is not negotiable. I don't know if you know that. Just you, you, can, you can disobey it, but it's not negotiable. It's there. Stop at the stop street. Drive the left hand on the road. Drive at the right hand. Uh, drive, drive at the right side of the road when you leave church. See what happens. There's a law, there's something in place, and we come under it, right? But here's what I think has happened in the modern church when Jesus gave to this command. So when, if Jesus had to speak the same scripture to us in 2020, here's what it will look like. Just come again. Merv, Elena, just come. Just one, 11 people. Verna, join. Um, Dill, if you can help us. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I need uh, two more. Eight, just come. Don't worry. You won't, be, you won't be put on the spot. Just give me just two more people. One, two, three, four. Full. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I need two. Eleven. Just give me one more. How many is that we know? Two, four, six. I had lower grade mass. Two, four, six, eight, ten. I need one more. So join me there. Okay, it's fine. So imagine these are the eleven disciples. So when Jesus gave this commission, or this commandment rather, he gave it to the 11 disciples, right? And he said to them, he says, 11 disciples. So we had Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. He's not part of it. They were not 12 anymore. So, and he gave them this. I give you a new commandment. You guys write. I give you a new commandment. Is that you guys should love one another. And here's what the modern church has done. Just dividing groups of three. Three, three. And then the last two, you stay individual. So three, yeah, Auntie Hilda. And then you stay separate. Sorry, sorry. And then you stay separate from one another. Yes. Just stand here and go for. Yes. So when the modern church hears this commandment, you know what we do? We start forming cliques. 
We start forming facets. We start forming groups. And then you have these individual guys who says, it's me and Jesus. I go to church, but I don't want to be part of anything. I'm in and out of church. And we start forming these groups and these groups. And the separation between the groups is your restrictions and conditions and preferences. You're saying to yourself, I'm part of this group. There's no way I can be part of this group. Not those guys. No way. I know that they're supposed to be my brother, but there's no way I can find myself in that group. And this group says the same thing. And that person says, I can't even find myself in a group. You know these church people, such hypocrites. I can't be with them. I want to go to church. I want to hear the word, but that's about it that I want to do. But you know what the original plan was? If you guys can just take arms. You know what the original commission was? It was this. There was never a separation in loving one another when Jesus gave this commandment. There was nothing individual. There was no groups. When he spoke to the 11 disciples, he never told them, please form groups within the group. He never did that. He never told them, go and form your own clique and your own comfort zone and oh, oh, influential place. I need to be in his group. He never said that. He says, you guys here love one another. Thank you, guys. And here's, here's what you might have done. Here's what you might have done. You might find yourself in a group at this moment. You might have formed in a group and who you talk to and who you associate with is the certain groups within this church. And you have, might have formed these restrictions and conditions and preferences so that it can suit you and your comfort zone. So how do we bridge this? So I'm guaranteeing you it, it's happening. It's in our midst, these groups. So how do we bring this back together to the original intention and purpose of what Jesus had in mind? Three things. By the question we ask and we answer this question, how should we love one another? How should we love one another? Let's go to the next one. How should we love one another? It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. On three, I want to say this last part together. One, two, three. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. So how should you, how should we love one another? Just as I have loved you. So Jesus says, you love one another. Do the same in the same way I have loved you. Even as I have loved you. You. And this morning I took three important ways Jesus loved, and there are many more, but three important actions that I believe we need to have constantly as, love, as expressions of love, as actions of love in our midst to constantly keep being together and loving one another. The first one is Jesus loved unconditionally. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each one of you look not only, so you can look at your own interest, but not only at your own interest, but to his own, uh, to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another translation says, which is the mind of Christ. So Christ loved in this way, and He loved, with, with, uh, he loved unconditionally. So let's start by looking at the characteristics of conditional love. First one, selfish ambition. You know what is selfish ambition? You think you're the deal. 
You think you're the it. And therefore, you need to be in this group because you need a certain type of recognition. You need a certain type of credit. You can't function. You can't live without it. Therefore, you put yourself in this group and you can't be out of this group because it will make you look a bit lower or you won't feel the same feeling. Then secondly, is you, um, the characteristics of conditional love is conceit, pride. Because you know what pride does? Pride says there's no way I can associate myself even with those people. We're in the same church. That's what we do. We go to the same church. But my goodness, we will not associate together. I can never bring them to my house or invite them to my I can never strike a conversation. I can never find myself in town with them. Because what if the people will see? That's a prideful thing. And then lastly, characteristics of uh, conditional love is your own interests. How will you benefit? So why do you put yourself in group? Because you're looking for a benefit. How will you benefit? How will it be good to you? How will it help you? But here are the characteristics of unconditional love. Humility. How do you rate humility? You rate humility by your service that you do not get credit for. So rate how humble are you by the way you're serving people and no one is telling you even well done. Many of you are sitting here finding this place in order, but we sweep the hell out of this place this morning. No one knows. We don't care that anybody knows because our credit is not from people, but it's from God. And so humility is rated by how we serve when no one, no one sees you. That's, that's unconditional. So can you serve one another without you wanting the pastor or this person always to give you, well, I just love the way you love others. Can you just love? Can you just serve people? Secondly, can you count others more significant than yourself? Can you do that? Can you make someone else more important than you? Not far out, just here. Just think about the guy left and right and back and forth from you. Not going to go far. Can you count them more significant than you? Can you make more of them than you want to be made more, uh, uh, made much out of yourself? Like, can you make more out of them? Can you look at their interests? Can you look at their interests? Can you be concerned about what they need, what they want, what 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 is it that they must have? And here's our conditional love um, um, fills. It, 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 it runs into the church is in this way. Here's conditional love. So would you treat us differently? The moment you say, yeah, would you have different respect? Would you, would you serve us differently? The moment you do, it's conditional. Would you, would you count Pastor Chris more significant? I, because I'm his employee and he's my boss, if you didn't know. <laughs> would you count him a bit more? You're becoming conditional. Would you love him more because he's black and you're black, therefore I'm going to take preference? You're becoming conditional. So imagine both of us are black, different cultures. Would you pull to your culture and serve your culture better than his culture? You're becoming conditional. It's never what Jesus intended for the church. He never meant that. He never meant that we become like that. So when he puts us together like this, he never said, you pull to one side, you lean to one side, you move to one group. He says we are together. 
So someone who's unconditional will do this. He says, I'll not choose both of you. I'll serve you both significantly. I'll serve you both in humility. I'll take both of your um, interests and I'll count it above my. You know what I'll actually do? I'll bridge the gap and make sure there's no separation. That's what unconditional love is doing. So conditional love keeps the separation. It says, oh, you know, and, and when we have this language, oh, white people. Oh, white people are like this and they do like this. And oh, black people. Oh, man, can they just get like this? And you know, it's especially a challenge in a society that we live in where we come from a history of this. South Africa sitting with the same, exact same thing. And the church needs to decide, are we going to be a sign or are we falling with culture? Are we going to be unconditional or are we going to be conditional? And that's what your challenge is. You will sit with this, I'm telling you, year after year, day after day, you'll need to choose to bridge the gaps and say, God, oh man, I want to love people in humility, counting them more significant than, my, than me, looking at their interest, no matter who they are. And so here's how you can test it. Can you in humility, counting the person next to you, left to you, right from you, back and front, can you count them more significant than yourself, and look at their interest. In your heart, you can say yes or no. Now, what normally happens in the church, we sit in a way where the person left and right of us is either our friend or our family mentor, and back and forth from us because we somehow know them. But let's shuffle the church. We all move, and the person left and right, back and forth from you changes. Can you still count them more significant than you, serving them in humility, looking at their interests? And that's the question you need to answer to yourself. And that's what the, the original intention, when God said love one another, that's what He meant. He meant there's no conditions. There's no preferences. There's no restrictions. The way you treat me is, not, is the same way you'll treat Pastor Chris. The way you treat someone who, who you know is of status is the same way you'll treat someone you know is coming from the streets. You'll not give them a different seat. You'll not give them a different attitude. You'll not give them a different heart or a opinion. You won't, you won't speak to them differently. The way they ask you for water should be the same reaction when Pastor Chris asks you for water. Would you jump in the same way? Would you react in the same way? Would you move in the same way? Then only does the church become unconditional. But apart from that, it is conditional. And you, you might think racism is not in the church. It's present. We have language that it shows that there's some, sometimes I hear it and I'm, I cringe in my heart thinking, is how do you think like that? How do you even think like that? And we have these sayings. You know why? Because that message, has, uh, saying loving one another has not defined you, but your culture has. Your culture has told you what is right from wrong and who you should value more than others. And so that's the first point, is for us, to, for love to truly live here, we need to love unconditionally. Secondly, Jesus loved sacrificially. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love as no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Don't think about your friend who's not present. Think about the person next to you. When Jesus sacrificed himself, what happened? He died. Jesus died killing sin so that we may live. Will you kill something in your life so that you can see the next person live? 
So will you live sacrificially? Will you kill something to bridge this gap again? May that be your will and your ways and your emotions and your time. Will you, will you kill something? Will you live a sacrificial life to bring this constantly back together? Whether that's going to cost you some time to spend with someone. Whether that's going to, whatever it may look like. But would you kill something in your life so that someone else may live? Would you live that sacrificial life for your brother and your sister sitting next to you? Then thirdly, Jesus loved with forgiveness. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So be kind, be gentle, be slow, be careful with one another. And be tender-hearted, be compassionate, have a deep compassion, have a deep care for one another. Forgiving one another, how? As Christ has forgiven you. You might have heard this saying, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. When you have unforgiveness, you're drinking the poison, expecting whoever offended you or disappointed you or made you bitter, you're expecting them to die. It's logic who will die. Where there's bitterness and unforgiveness, it's the birthplace of sin. Where you have bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart toward one person in this room, towards leadership, towards your workplace, it's the birthplace of sin in your life. You will birth sin in your life. And I want to get a bit more personal because unforgiveness, either through bitterness or either through disappointment or either through offense or either through anger, some of you are sitting here with us this morning from another church because you have unforgiveness. And you're thinking you're coming to restore it here. It won't. It's unforgiveness in you and we can't fix it for you. We can help you with the restoration at that time. But there's something that you need to do and go back and do restoration. Some of you right here sitting with one another, you're probably not even talking because of this thing called unforgiveness. You're sitting in this one room Sitting together as brothers and sisters and you don't even want to talk because of unforgiveness. Some of you are sitting in the seats that you're sitting because there's another person sitting on this side that you can just not stand because of unforgiveness. Some of you are sitting in the back and you don't want to come to the front because there's something in your heart saying, I cannot be with that person in the same room. And we live with this unforgiveness. Some of you have stopped serving. You just stop serving. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be part of any, any serving team because someone did something, offended you or made you angry, stepped on your toe, and you became, and you got a, a unforgiveness. And you're sitting with it. Or you might not even be in a connect group anymore, a place where this church is concerned about your growth and that you will be fruitful and uh, multiply and make disciples for Jesus. And because of someone who ever discipled you and you say, I cannot stand those persons anymore. I can't do these things anymore. And you live with the, from this place of unforgiveness. But as a church, unforgiveness will not fulfill the commandment God gave us. There's no way that the commandment of Jesus will be fulfilled if we don't sort it out first. 
And then there's some of you who say this. Me and Jesus will sort it out. Me and Jesus will sort it out. Jesus said, before you go to church, go and reconcile with your brother. He never said, come and you, me and him, me and you will sort it out. Never told that. He never, it's not scriptural. So if you want to say that, just know you don't find it in the Bible. It's not from God. Don't even say, oh, God told me no, we'll sort it out. He didn't tell you that. You told yourself that. That's from your mind, your head, your emotions, because you're hurt and you're feeling this type of way. It's not from God. It's not God said, if your brother has sinned against, go and tell him about it. And if he doesn't want to forgive you, go and fetch another brother and tell, then you too tell him about it. And if he doesn't then want to listen, get another brother and you tell. And then if he doesn't want to listen, put him before the church and say, hey, you don't want to listen. But he never said, you, you go and sort it out with him. You can work through it. Hear me out. You can work through it. And forgiveness is sometimes where you constantly got to forgive because of disappointments and bitterness that someone had in, in you. And you got to constantly wrestle and say, God, I forgive. I forgive. But there has to come a point where you got to approach. Because there's many times where the people that offended you or did something towards you, they don't even know about it. And you're keeping it against them. They don't know that they did that wrong. But because you don't say something, you're living with it and they're not even unaware of it. And so Jesus, there's no way we can do it in that way. Because the moment you do that, the moment you, you start saying it's me and Jesus and we'll sort it out, you're putting what? Preferences, restrictions, and conditions. You're going to try to put barriers in place to avoid that that same situa situation has to happen with someone else that you need to extend forgiveness again. That's conditional. You're moving back to breaking bonds. You're moving back to forming groups, forming your own individual space because of your unforgiveness. But here's what you instead should do. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. But instead what you do, say, God, help me to love earnestly. I'm disappointed, I'm hurt, and I'm angry. But God, can you help me? Can you help me to love my brothers and my sisters earnestly? Because that, that may cover the sin. Multitude, covers a multitude of sin. You know what it does? It brings these groups back together to become one. The moment we allow things like unforgiveness to happen right here in our midst, we form groups. We make spaces. And all these clicks and start stuff coming, start having out. So can you, here this morning, here's the question, can you here this morning with a pure heart and a clear conscience say, there's nothing that attends, no one, there's no one that attends this church that I have anything against. If you do, I want to ask you to go and reconcile. And I want you to, I want to ask those who, if, you, if you're going to try to start attempting to be unconditional in this church, and you, you want to start living sacrificially, and you want to... Um, and you want to start extending forgiveness. You know what I don't want you to do? If you're the person on the, on, the, on the receiving side, don't say, oh, now you want to do it because you heard the message. Don't do that. Or all of a sudden, why all of a sudden? Don't do that. Embrace it. Let's not make fun when someone is trying to live unconditionally, sacrificial forgiving towards us. Let's embrace it. Let's not say, oh, yeah, now all of a sudden we become sarcasm. Sarcasm is sin. Just get it. It's not in the scripture, but I'm telling you it's sin. I'll find a way to make it sinful. Sin. Don't be sarcastic with someone. Because they are coming from a heart where they want to honor God and they want to obey that commandment. And they come to a place to reconcile saying, I don't even want to help you. It's for your good as well that I'm coming. 
to reconcile with one another. And so for love to truly live here, we need to forgive one another. So if we want to stop living in these fractions, like in these cliques, and these groups, and you, you won't choose this race over this race, and this culture over this culture, and this status over this status, you've got to be unconditional. You've got to be sacrificial, and you've got to be forgiving. Those are the three things you need to do. And I want to tell you that if you're sinning, and I, I noticed in the, my first service, and I didn't say it, if you're sinning and you're going through it, speak about it. Don't gossip about it. Get someone and saying, you know, I have barriers here. I'm struggling here. It's what I do. I do. I grab people and say, I'm struggling. I'm not breaking through. I'm not getting this relationship built as I'm seeking it. I know how to make people upset. I have this, not, I don't want to say I have this ability. I have this growth point in my life where I'm trying to grow out of it and be more thoughtful in my, my words. My, you know when your mouth speaks before your mind? So that's my, my current situation. And I, I, I grab people and I say to them, like, help me. Help me. Help me. Tell me where did I miss? Where did I sin? What am I doing wrong? Give me guidance. Help me because I want to live unconditioned. I don't want to bring barriers. I don't want to cause it for someone. I want to help us through it. And so this is what God is calling us to do. And here's my last point. How will all people know? It says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this all people will know that you are my, di my disciples if you have love for one another. What's our hearts and our desire? Who? People will know that we are disciples of who? Jesus. So loving one another is not about you, it's about Him. Loving one another is so that the world may know Jesus is our King. That's why we want no one to have groups. That's why we want to build these bridges. Because we want to stand in a way that the world, Namibia is looking, saying, how from a history that you come, can people from so diverseness, or whatever you may call diversity, love one another so unconditionally? How does that work? And we want to help people see that He's the King. And God has the same desire. He says, uh, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, it says, Who wants all people, here again, all people, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Of, uh, knowledge of the truth. Luke 2 verse 10, the same words, all people. And the angel said to him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. The gospel is good news. And what does the gospel do when it gets to people? It brings them great joy. And this good news and this great joy is for all people. It's so that every person may see that who is our king. So the moment we love one another the way Jesus wants us to love, it's not about you. It's about Him. You know why, uh, like I said when I started the entertainment center, you know why events are thriving in the church world at this moment? Because you can go to an event and it's going to be about you. You know why you see all the lesson, this, all this wrestle for you to, to get us to make disciples? Because it's not about you. So you struggle to reach someone who's lost because you know it, you're going to need to live unconditionally, sacrificially. And therefore you, but the moment you can attend, oh, let me just attend another event, another seminary, another this, another that. And, the, and we're just living on that at this moment. That, and you see events after events being filled. 
But do we see what happened in Acts? Do we see small groups of disciples coming together, falling to their faces, saying, let's take communion and pray and say, oh God, can you just be advanced in this city? We don't see that anymore. Why? Because you find one person or other person at other one or other event, and they're just trying to work again on this and work again on that. But we need to lose ourselves. See, the, the world will only see that we are true disciples of Jesus is when we take up our cross, living self-denial lives. Then the world will see these are disciples of Jesus. So I want to close with saying this. I don't want to ask us this morning. I don't want to ask you to see if you can figure it out or see if you will do it. I want to ask you to repent. I want to ask you if you can repent where you have formed restrictions and conditions and preferences. Where you have put these barriers in place so that it suits you. And I want to ask you, if you're part of us in this family, can we submit together to that commandment of loving one another and make it a current and a present and a continuous reality in our midst? And you know how is it going to change? By you loving someone else. Don't wait for it. Don't wait for it. You got to go. You got to start. I want you to try to invite someone to your house that you could think to yourself, on earth would I have never thought I'll do that. Start hanging with that person. Start speaking to them. Start going out. Start living a life beyond yourself. Start coming to church and say, how much can I receive? But come to church and say, how can I be unconditional today? That's what God wants to do in our midst. And I want to tell you, there's nothing that you're going through at this moment that God cannot help you through. If you're struggling to break barriers and you're living this conditioned life, God can help you. If you're sitting with unforgiveness because of disappointment and offense and whatever it may be, God can assist you, helping you to come back to a pure heart and a pure conscience. So let's rise to our feet. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, for just this, your display of love, God, that you had no conditions, God. What a tragedy, God. What fear will be upon us if you had conditions on your love, oh Lord? God, would we even be in here, Lord, if you, if you had your way in the garden, Lord? If you said, let this cup pass for me, let them just take it on their own. Oh God, but you said, not your will. You said, Jesus, not my will, but your will, oh God. Father, I pray we live in the same way, Lord. Not our will, but your will, oh God. Father, I pray that this morning, Lord, that we will live lives, brothers and sisters, here this morning, God, we will live lives where we come together and live unconditionally, God, sacrificially and forgiving one another, God, constantly, God, 70 times 7. God, I pray that you help us to be, to be effective and fruitful in this city, God. Help us to reach the lost, to make disciples, God. God, help us not to fall into this entertainment world, God, and this place where can I just receive, and it's all about me, Lord. God, but God, may we love one another so that it's a sign to the world that we are not our disciples or each other's disciples. We are your disciples. Father, I pray your blessing over your people this morning. I pray that you keep them, God, and you go with them, Lord. Father, I pray that you meet every person that's fighting through unforgiveness, God, that's wrestling through it. May they not give up, God. 
every person that has conditions on their life because of past experiences. God, may you assist them. Break that. Your blood has washed that. God, help us to lay down our lives for our friends. Help us to treat each other equally, God, as you have treated us all equally. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.